Everybody, we got to get excited today. High five three people and let them know you're happy they're, that, they're, that they're here. I heard some high fives. Okay, that one person you left out, that one person you left out, tell them that you saved the best for last. So go ahead and give them another high five. There we go. There we go. Hey, I'm so excited. Great job by Lost and Found, huh? Wasn't that awesome, guys? Thank, thank the Lord that we got to be here and we got to have them here today. Uh, and, uh, man, we got to kick off a new series. Somebody turned the AC on outside in the fall, got the memo at least for half the day. This morning we were coming in here and... Uh, it was actually cool for the first time. We were like, yes, thank the Lord. We got to see that. So I'm excited, uh, guys, as we get to kick off this new series called When the Devil Knocks. Not to mention, next week we're one year old. Like, oh my goodness, we're a year old. Can you believe it's been a year? Like, there's been so much has happened. Those that have been here, blood, sweat, and tears every morning, loaded in and loading out. I want to tell you, there are people here. If you're watching online, uh, I'm not going to pull any punches. We want your tail here next week, and that's the nicest way I can say it. Next week, to celebrate one-year anniversary because uh, God's just been so faithful. We were loading up a U-Haul, trying to figure out chair carts, if you know, you know, and struggling and, and throwing out backs and, and shoulders, knees and toes, whatever that is. All of those things to try to get chairs in here because we believe that Jesus called us to something to reach this city. And we believe in joining Spartanburg. We believe in the church uh, reaching the 100-plus thousand people that don't have a church home. It's not just about us, it's not just about the vine, it's not about our name and lights, it's about making Jesus' name more famous. And so we're excited and thankful that we get to be here uh, to do this, but more importantly, we're excited that you're joining us right now, wherever you are. So we're diving into this series, and hey, we say it every week, so I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something every week, we say it, so I hope you're ready. If you got your phone, we're going to set you up to win, okay? So if you would like a free Bible, we would love to give you one for the asking. If you just let us know, somebody would love to give you a Bible, however... A lot of folks keep everything on their phone now. So if you want to go to the Bible app, I'm going to go here on my phone as well. Uh, and we have some amazing creative people that can pull this up. If you go to the Bible app on your phone, uh, it's going to pull up in just a second. There's a video. And you click the More tab. If you go to the, open up your phone, click the Bible app, and click the More tab, you're going to go to Events. Okay? Make sure your location services is on when you do this. So More, Events. And when you click that, you're going to see the Vine Worship Experience pop up inside of that, guys. It's important that we got series info, we got ways that you can contact us, uh, ways that we can pray with you, pray for you, walk with you through whatever season you're going in. But more importantly, it's also a way that you can take personal notes as we have scripture that we're going to be walking through today. So a day like today when we're in a couple of different books of the Bible, we would rather you spend time hearing what Jesus has for you instead of worried about pages flipping in your Bible. Now, we, we believe... You need to have your own Bible. We'll give you one for free. But during the service, we'd love for you to be able to follow that online. So if you're doing that, go to the Bible tab, uh, and we can, you can open that up, and you can follow along with us, because the day is going to be an awesome day. Uh, I didn't high-five anybody. There we go. There's my four high-fives. I just realized that. So um, that being said, uh, we're in this brand-new series called When the Devil Knocks, and uh, I think it's appropriate, because in a few weeks, we have Halloween coming down, right? Like, everybody knows that. I still go trick-or-treating. Is that a problem? Is anybody? Okay, we just want to make sure I get to go trick-or-treating. I see some looks. I saw some looks. It's okay. Reese Pumpkins, I'll knock a door down for Reese Pumpkins. I'm, I'm sorry. It is, just is what it is. You can tell. But, like, it is what it is. So when we talk about this, uh, we talk about the devil, and all of us have this perception of Satan, don't we? Like, he's this guy, like, he's in a red suit with red horns, a pitchfork, a little pointed tail, and he sits on the outside of a canned ham. Or he's part of like a cake, which is the second reason I don't like cake. You know the first reason, birthday cake. Think about it when somebody blows out the candles and they're spit all over it. Enjoy your cake next time you do that. You're welcome uh, when folks are doing that. Uh, just know those are two reasons I don't like cake. That's one. And number two, devil's food cake because i got to be a Christian. I grew up in the South. So that being said, a lot of times we have that. But when we do that, we neglect that there's a real battle going on. It's a real battle going on every day with all of us. Satan battles us. He attacks our mind with lies. He goes against us, and, and, and what he'll do a lot of times is he'll go after our hearts with pride, and he'll go after our soul with accusations. And so today we're going to talk about the first part of that, and we're going to talk about Satan as the deceiver, as the deceiver. Throughout this series, we're going to talk about Satan as the deceiver, the, the accuser, and the destroyer. And, and, and if we're completely honest, we've got to understand that he is out there prowling. He is not that guy in a red suit that's harmless, that comes out on All Hallows' Eve, or if 
you know, we've watched Hocus Pocus three times probably already if you're in the Halloween spirit correctly. Um, like that kind of thing, right? Like we can see Satan that way. And so today we're going to talk about him as the deceiver because the biggest lie that Satan has told all of us, because he is the father of lies, is that he doesn't exist. He's just that character. He's just that naughty thing. That He's that naughty emoji. He's that emoji with like horns, right? Like he's just that person. He doesn't exist. Like there's no evil. There's no bad. You just do good to good people and good will come back to you. Karma. All these crazy things we believe, we don't believe that Satan is who he says he is. And I want, to, I want us to break that lie today. So I was getting ready for today. I started thinking about that. When the devil's deceit brings me down, I thought about some deceitful things this time of year. So growing up at my grandma and grandpa's house, at my Papa Joe and my grandma Arlene's house, they used to put this scarecrow out on the front porch. I know, backwoods, don't judge me. So they put this scarecrow on the, back por- on the front porch and he would be sitting in a chair. And when I was little, I always thought that was my Papa Joe. And then as I got older, I realized that it deceived me. See, you know, and I started getting, uh, my sister Olivia remembers, I thought it was my Papa Joe. It deceived me. It deceived me every time. And I know that may not seem like a big deal to you, but like that was my Papa Joe. And I said, man, he's got a pumpkin head now. Like what happened to him? Like there was this deception. And it just made me think of that. Maybe that didn't connect with you, but how about this? Have you ever just been really hungry for fruit? Just thinking of grandparents. And there's always this bowl in the kitchen, right? Always this bowl in the kitchen. And it's always got an apple and a banana in it and an orange. And it's right when you need it, too. And you pick it up, and it ain't even real, right? It just deceives your eyes. It just, it's just this crazy thing. Well, I wonder if Satan's doing that with our mind today. Because that fruit bowl seems harmless. That scarecrow seems harmless. But in the end, what Satan is after is destroying who we're supposed to be in Christ. He's destroying the full life that Jesus, we just sang about, died to give us. He's doing everything he can to stop us. C.S. Lewis said it this way, and it's a great quote, and it's one that I've always hung on to. If you know anything about C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, he was an atheist that became a Christian. He's got some great things that he shares on that. But C.S. Lewis said it this way, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Think about that. What does Jesus say? He spits you out if you're lukewarm. You're either hot or you're cold. God is claiming every second. God is claiming everything in your life or Satan is. The thing is, where are you? Who are you in Christ? Do you trust God as your Lord and Savior? Have you been there and said that? And then after that, do you live it out? Or do you let Satan claim this? Let your comfort come in. Let your good come in. Where are you at in that? So today we want to see Satan's scheme as the deceiver. We want to see what he does. And we're going to look at two different examples in the Bible. If, you're getting your, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in some places that, that you probably know. We're going to be in the first book of the Old Testament, which is Genesis, and the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew. So we're going to be in Genesis 3 and Matthew 4, and we're going to see this. We're going to see Satan's playbook today as the deceiver. We're going to see that he actually doesn't change his scheme up too much. The question is how we react to it. How do we react to it? So we talk about Satan the deceiver day. If you've got your Bible, get to Genesis 3. It's going to pop up on the screen. You're going to see it in the Bible app. If you're flipping there, you can get to Genesis 3 in your Bible. And it's a story we've all heard. It's a story we all know. Whether you follow Jesus for 20 minutes, 20 years, two days, don't believe him at all. You've heard this story wherever you are. And I believe today you're going to see some schemes of Satan that maybe you haven't seen before. So it says it this way, Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals of the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? Have you ever just had your parents have a friend go to your parents or you're, you know, you know you're supposed to be in by midnight? Did they really say midnight? It's 12.01 and it can't be that bad, right? Like, did they really say midnight? see some red faces, so I know. Uh, That being said, I wear a red shirt, so I've done it too. So that being said, like, I'm just telling you, if you're taking notes or you're looking at that, I would highlight that. Just remember, Satan will always come in that way. And he said, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. We're going to come back to that in a second. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. So before we dive into this story, I just want to go ahead and lay it out there. The first thing Satan will do as the deceiver is he questions God. 
He questions God. If you're taking notes or you're following along, and then we're going to look what happens in Matthew when Satan tries to do the same thing. Is The first thing Satan does as the deceiver is he always questions God. Like, he could have went to Eve and said a lot of things. Like, in today's world, it's body image. It's social media. It's what you look like. It's how you dress in American culture. Do you live the American dream? Do you look the right way? Do you say the right things? Do you talk the right talk? Do you give the right way? Like, do you have the appropriate pictures or have the appropriate tweets? Because those come back to get you, apparently, in this world. Like, they never get deleted, even though you think you do. Uh, We worry about those things in our life so much so. But Satan didn't attack Eve's image. Instead, she direct, he directly questioned her creator. And that's what Satan will do to your life. He will question the authority in your life. He will make you start questioning authority. So, so teenagers, teens, anybody who's been there, like I said, if you've been in this place, all of a sudden you would see a lot of times Satan will come in and say, did God really say? So when I was writing this down and I was studying this, if you've got your Bible, I'm just going to read two verses. You don't have to go there. It's not going to come on the screen. But I want you to remember Eve's response in, in, in uh, verse 2 said, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God said, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17 says this. I'm going to read it out loud to you. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat any tree. See, that's funny. Because when Satan questioned Eve, he said, did God really say you must not eat of any tree? And the thing that she left out in her response was the freedom to eat from any tree but one tree. So many times when we start questioning God's goodness, God's authority, and the guardrails he set up in our life to live a life that's more abundant, a life that's right. We've talked about it before, like a dog in a fence who freely can run around. We're not dogs, we're better than that. But guardrails in our life inside God's authority to be all he's made us to be. When we get outside of that and we question that, then all of a sudden we start leaving out God's promise. Because in Eve's mind, the seed has been planted. She could have freely ate from any tree. But she answers Satan because he starts questioning, yeah, we can eat from any tree. She feels like she's lost her freedom already. Ever been in a place where you feel like you've lost your freedom? How do you feel about that? Probably start swinging, kicking, and screaming, right? Like you're ready to fight. But you see, it doesn't stop there. See, Eve even said in verse, in verse 17, it goes from this. God says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. See, Eve didn't respond that way to Satan. Instead, she looks at him and says, hey, we may eat from any tree except the one that's in the middle of the garden or you will die. She takes away God's certainty and she takes away the freedom because Satan's already planted that seed inside of her, that little seed of doubt, that little seed that God's holding something back, that little seed of God's goodness in her life. She's just questioning. I said, maybe that's where you sit right now. Maybe you've taken that step of obedience that God's called you to take. Maybe you've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized and maybe you've been baptized and God's called you to step out in faith on something and Satan's coming to you and say, hey, did God really tell you to go do that? Hey, did God tell you to quit your career and step into a calling? Did God really go tell you to reach Spartanburg? Did God really go tell you to serve? Did God really go tell you to go to school to do this? Did God really go tell you to be a realtor and a pastor? Did God really go tell you to do that? Did he really say, go do that? And I believe some of us in our life right now, we don't see that when Satan starts doing that in our life, we forget the freedom that comes through Christ, and we forget the certainty that comes through Christ. And that's what Eve left out. That little seed, she started doubting God's goodness in her life. She started doubting God's promise. And here's what I want to tell you about the Bible. If one of his promises aren't true, none of them are true. Because he said he does not change. His word will not return void. And he is who he says he is. And so the thing is, when you start questioning his goodness in in your life, you start questioning him. Then how easy is it to not follow him? How easy is it to justify that sin? Hey, I equate it to working out, right? Like that first week, you're all in, right? Like you're all in. And then you get to leg day number two, and that soreness kicks in, and you're just like, Sweet Jesus, like, is my waist really that bad? It's not that bad, is it? Like, I can just get some new clothes, right? They're on sale right now. They got them on sale. Hadn't you seen Jesus? Amazon's got a new home edition. I can send it back if it don't fit. You know what I'm saying? Like, they got some things in the fashion line, right? Like, I got those things. But yet, God says, hey, I want something better for you, so that's what I want you to do. You need to work out. You need to eat right. You need to steward yourself well. 
I get it, Jesus. I know mac and cheese. We're working on it. We're working on it. So, like, those things we can do, but then all of a sudden we sleep in one day. It's not that bad, is it? Is this workout really worth it for me? Because, you know, I've been working out for two months, and I hadn't lost any weight. <laughs> I eat at all-you-can-eat buffet every day, but I hadn't lost any weight. I can't figure out why. So is it really working for me? Is it really good for me? Is the promise really true? Is this really going to change me? That's just Satan working in your life. He's doing the same thing in your relationships, the same thing in your finances, the same thing in your career, the same thing in your calling. Everything he's calling you to do right now, he's making you question God and say, did he really say and this is the reason that I know he's doing that with you, because he does it with me. He does it with all of us. Hey, believe it or not, so much so, he even does it to Jesus. Let's look in Matthew 4, and it's the same thing he does. He, he goes after Jesus right when he starts his public ministry. Jesus has just been baptized, and I want you to know, if you think Satan isn't coming after you, take a next step in Christ and understand he's going to come after you harder by that next step than he ever will, by you staying comfortable, staying on the sideline, staying still, doing what you think is best instead of what he thinks is best. And since the garden, that's what our problem, our problem and our struggle has been. And yet Satan knows that. So he sees Jesus fully God, fully man, right? He's appealing to that man side here. He's saying, oh, he's fully human here. So let me see what I can work up. So Matthew 4 verse 1 says it this way. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now I don't know about you, but when the Spirit leads me in the wilderness, I better have something in my hand, right? Like I better have a sword with me. I better have something. It's going to make sense in a minute. You're going to laugh, hopefully. If not, then... Just think about Reese Pumpkins and you'll be good. So, then Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Whew. This is how I know Jesus is awesome and he's fully God, fully man. Because he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Anybody ever done a fast that long? I've got three days before. I've done seven days with just a protein shake every day. One of these days in my life, I'm going to go a full 21. God willing, in the creek don't rise, as they used to say, right? Like, I'm going to do that. I probably could do that right now and be just fine with the nutrients. But I'm saying... Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine how hungry he was? Right now, we're all looking at our watch saying, he's got about 40 minutes left. I'm trying to figure out that Wade's lunch line. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, right? Jesus did 40, 40 days and 40 nights. And so what does that next line say? He was hungry. Duh, Matthew. We'd all be hungry. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word. Do you see his response? Every word. Not just the word of God, every word. Do you see where Jesus and Eve went it two different ways? Eve used the word of God, but not every word of God. She forgot freely and certainly. Jesus said, it is written, it is written. You shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Satan went after him the same way he went after Eve. He questioned God in his life. You know why he was doing that? He was saying, hey, if you're the son of God and God loves you so much and you're so hungry, these stones will become bread, right? Because he's a good father who wants good things for you. Shouldn't he make these stones bread for you? You fasted for 40 days. You were obedient to what he called you to do. You deserve this. Don't you deserve to have some bread? Yes, you do. And I imagine that bread was Krispy Kreme donuts, right? Like hot now. It was just ready chocolate cream filled or, or glazed, whatever you like, or custard filled if that's your thing, or whatever it looks like. Like, that's what it was. And so Satan was throwing that out there at Jesus. But Jesus said, live on every word from the mouth of God. Because here's what Satan Satan did that we can get stuck in. You see, that bread, that bread didn't sustain you. Only God can. That bread is just a moment that's temporary. That bread is a vehicle to where you can have a relationship with God. What I mean by this is, hear me out here. This is where I think we get stuck in the church so many times. We are God's vehicle to reach the world with the gospel. We say this every week. We're going to live out the Great Commission and how we love God and love others. We are a vehicle, but the church is not the sustainer of the world. Jesus Christ is allowing us to have a relationship with God, who is the sustainer of the world. And what Jesus is saying to Satan right here is, hang on every word from God. It's more valuable than that bread that will temporarily satisfy you, because it can no longer hold you long term. The difference between Jesus and Eve's response is Eve is standing there. I think, you know, if I'm completely honest, because Satan's so crafty when he slithers in like a little snake, if you don't like snakes, I understand. He slithers in. 
I imagine like Eve and Adam had just went to Aldi. They were getting ready to have their dinner, and they forgot, they forgot the fruit. They forgot dessert. And Satan just knew it was the right time. He just knew it was the right time. Just like he knew it was the right time to go after Jesus because Jesus was hungry. He knew it was the right time. Guess what? He knows the right time with you too. He knows the right time with me too. It's right when we're in the middle of the next big thing Jesus is calling us to, that next big step, right after we've taken a huge step of obedience, right when we're stepping into faithfully doing what he's calling us to do, Satan will come in and make you question it. What I mean by that is, first time you tithe, bills going to come rolling in. Car's going to break down. Job's going to be lost. The first time you believe and you make a step out in a calling and say, God's called me to do this, you're going to face immense challenges. You're going to have to figure out getting a U-Haul every week. If you know, you know. You're going to have to figure out loading it out of a garage in a house every week. You're going to have to do those things. You're going to have hurdles that you have to jump through. You're going to have obstacles in the way. And Satan uses those obstacles to try to make you say, shouldn't it just be easy? If God loves you so much and he's such a good father, shouldn't you just have an easy, comfortable life? When I look at God's word and I hang on every word of God, I don't see God ever calling me to live an easy, comfortable life. I see him telling me that I should have peace from him throughout this life, no matter what season, no matter what circumstance, no matter what I walk through, I should always have that. So when I was getting ready for this and I was preparing for this, I always thought about this is how Satan so many times will question God in our life first. And it did bring me back to those teenage years. And it did make me think, man, when you started questioning your parents' goodness or those that loved you that had Jesus at the center of their life and tried to tell you the good things like, don't do that. And you started questioning that goodness, that's when it started unraveling, right? Look back in your life and see if that's the truth in your life. That's when it started unraveling. That relationship started going away. Satan knows if he can start getting you to question God, you'll, you'll not want to spend time with God. That's when your prayer will stop. Like, my prayer ain't working anyway. I don't know if I should pray today. Why not? It's how you talk to God. It's your direct line. Hey, I don't know if I should read my Bible. I'm not really getting anything out of it. I'm not getting fed. It's not giving me bread. Bread's just the vehicle. It's just the opportunity. It's just something that helps you get there to the sustainer. It's not the thing that's going to carry you all the way through. So I wonder in your life if Satan's questioning God. Because here's what I said. He said, I, I, I told you, if, if the Spirit's calling me in the wilderness, and a lot of times the Spirit does, I'm not going to lie to you, because it's not easy. Sometimes we walk paths that others haven't trod, which is awesome. It's amazing, because you know Jesus is with you all the way. The one thing that I always want to carry with me is my sword. My sword. You know, if you ever see me come, if you're ever backstage here, if you ever want to hang out with me, anytime before I go up on stage, you always see I put on the full armor of God. You probably think he just tried to tie his shoes today. Tyler's tired. I don't know what happened. These aren't, these don't have strings on them. You'll see me. I'll, I'll put my, I'll put the belt of truth on, the shoes of the gospel, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the word. Because I want to hang on every word of God. I'm just a vehicle up here. I'm not the one that can sustain you. I'm not the one that's going to give you this life-changing message of my words. I'm going to give you the word of God straight from the word of God. It's up to you what you do with it because that's the only thing that can sustain you. So when I come up here today, I know that Satan's going to throw every obstacle in the way. He's going to make lights not work. He's going to make microphones not work. He's going to make things not be right. He's going to make things creak. He's going to make he's going to make instruments not work from time to time. He's going to do everything he can to distract others from seeing God more clearly. But when I come up here, I want to put on the full armor of God because I don't want you to see me. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to hear him. And I want you to know what he's calling you to do. I want you to have faith that he is a good father who wants good things for you. But Satan will make you question it. Second thing that Satan will do, same playbook. Man, if you ever had a game plan in a, in a football game or a baseball game, man, you can crush the other team, right? That's what Satan thinks, but... Too bad the joke's on him. The war's already won. So the second thing that Satan does is he distorts the truth. The first thing he does is he questions God. The second thing in his little scheme is he distorts the truth. He distorts the truth. Remember I just read from you Genesis 2, uh, and I told you that Eve left out certainly and freely. Look at Genesis 3, verse 4. How does Satan answer her? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. You will not certainly die. Well, think about Eve right here. I wonder where she is. She's probably thinking back to that scripture, isn't she? She's probably now just realizing she left out every word of God. And Satan in his craftiness, in his schemes, takes that thing that's a lie and makes it sound like the truth. And that's the scariest part about it all. 
because he's the father of lies, he'll take that lie and make it sound like, he looks like he's on her side all of a sudden. Hey, you will not certainly die. Didn't God just say, you will certainly die? <laughs> he looks at her and says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, when I looked at this and I was thinking about distorting the truth and I was thinking how the enemy does that in our lives so many times in so many ways, I came across this quote. It's kind of scary, but I think that it'll, it'll, make a, a, it, it'll hit the mark on this with us because this is Satan working. You know, Adolf Hitler told his leadership in Germany, if I tell the same lie long enough, they'll believe it's the truth. Satan will do that with us. He kept telling the same lie. Eve. Hey, you won't certainly die. In Genesis 2, we just looked at it. She could freely eat from any tree, and if she eats from this one, she will die. She's probably standing in front of the tree. Oh, it's a beautiful tree. A beautiful apple tree. Johnny apple seeds just come in and planted them all. Like, it's a great tree. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, it's probably got some other things on it. Maybe it's got oranges too. I don't know. I don't think an apple tree can have oranges, but I'm just imagining here, so go with me. Uh, it's, a, it's a great tree. She's looking at the fruit. She's thinking, man, I want some apple, like apple, it's kind of like an apple festival, like I just want some apples right now, there's just something good going on, like I want some apples, right, that's what we always say, when we find out it's a banana, we're going to be sorely disappointed in heaven if it was anything like that, but we always use the apple, and I think all of a sudden Satan goes to her, and he's justifying to her why she should be able to do that, what do you think that did with her view of God, now she's questioning God's goodness, do you think she thinks God's holding something back from her? Do you see the scheme of the enemy right there? Satan, in his deceiving way, said, hey, God is holding something back from you. If you eat from that tree, you're going to be just like him. And he don't want you to be like him. Because if you're like him, then he's got no control over you. He's got no authority in your life. And if he's got no authority in your life, you can do your own thing. You can eat from this tree anytime you want to eat from this tree. You certainly won't die. Your creator won't kill you. It's just a little sin. It's just a, it's just a peek. It's just a look. It's just one time you cheated. It's just one time you didn't do it right. It's just one little sin. It's just one little sin. It's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to change anything. God loves you, and he knows that when you do that, you're, you're, you're going to be just like him. That's where it starts unraveling, isn't it? We start questioning God's goodness, then we start disobeying him. And all of a sudden, we're in so deep, we don't know how to get out, right? That's what Satan does to us in our life so many times, and I wonder if we are stuck in that in our life. Maybe this is the good in our life over the great in our life. Maybe this is the thing in our life that we think that God's telling us to do instead of hearing God's voice clearly and doing what he's called us to do. What I mean by that is growing up in a church in the South, you know what the answer always was? Go to church every time the doors are open. Serve more, give more, do more. Great things, amazing things. You get to make great connections. You get to be a part of lives you never would have been a part of if you didn't do that. But if that, the only reason you're doing that is to get closer to God, you're missing the point. Because Jesus died on a bloodstained cross and said, it is finished. It's not about the work you do. It's not about the things you do. It's about trusting him being who he says he is, that he wants an abundant life for you. And yet Satan will start twisting that around and be like, take this safe bet, take this safe option, do this safe thing, and you'll be okay. And then he'll keep telling you that, like working out. I'll, I'll go do it next week. I'll start tomorrow. I swear I will. You know what? I got to study for a test, or I got to write a paper, or I got to do that. I'll start, I'll start reading my Bible tomorrow. You've been telling yourself that for five years. It's time to do something about it. Like, that's what Satan will do in your life, is he will distort the truth so much and tell you that lie so much, he'll get you caught in the trap. And since the Garden of Eden, we've been stuck there. We've been stuck there. So here's some things that I, was, I, I wrote down as I was reading this, and I hope that you're just listening to what Jesus says. Like I said, it's not my words, it's his words that are there. But I wonder if you think Jesus is withholding something in your life. You know, beforehand, I got to hang out, and, and it's the word that, scares a lot of us the most is the cancer word. I mean, I got to hear about that and some folks that are struck by that and, and in their life. And I've walked through that in my life, not personally with myself, but family members. When you hear that word, it's a scary word. As a matter of fact, it'll make you question God's goodness in that word, doesn't it? Doesn't it make you question who God is in that? Like, why would God make you go through that? 
And yet I know there are people in my life that the cancer, when it struck, it brought them closer to God than they ever would have been because they knew who they relied on. They knew that they couldn't do anything from it. They knew that, that it wasn't about them. It wasn't about how many times they did something that Edge had to trust to God that he had it in, their ha- in his hands and it was up to him, his plan and his will. What if we lived every day like that in our life? What if we lived every day like it was our last day? What if we trusted God enough to not let Satan distort the truth in our life and take his word, hang on every word that he's got and not let Satan distort the truth? Or will we think there's so many things that we can do to stop that? Because unfortunately, in our world, and our culture, it's in, his, it's in his hands when it comes to things like cancer. But you know what? Your life is, too. Why died on the cross for it? So how did Jesus respond on Matthew, in Matthew 4? The devil does the same thing. He distorts the truth. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So when this temple was built, this was... Uh, when we're looking at here with Herod's temple that's built, I don't know if you know this, but the highest point of the temple at that time could be seen from 30 miles away. Put that bad boy in Spartanburg, you could see it all the way into Lawrence, I guess. I guess that's probably about 30 miles, right? You can help me out there. It's about 30 miles away, right? Big city of Anderson, the electric city, you could see the temple mount from where Jesus was, right? Like, you could see all these things, right? It's the highest point. Satan takes him there. And once again, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See how Satan distorts the truth there? Jesus answered him with, it is written, hang on every word of the word of God out of the mouth of God, right? on every word out of the mouth of God. And so Satan takes that answer and he says, yeah, yeah, isn't it written? Hey, yeah, Jesus. Hey, isn't it written this way? Doesn't it say in the word that you can throw yourself off of this? Now, what was Jesus, what was the point of Jesus being on this earth? He was the bridge that gave us a relationship to God. He was the only way we could get to God. And if he threw himself off of that and he dies right there, we're still waiting on something. We're still all outside looking in, right? We don't have a relationship with the Father. We don't have a relationship with the very creator of the universe. And Satan knows this, and he says, hey, if God loves you so much, he not only would have fed you, he'll save you from dying. We know how that story goes, right? Jesus lives that perfect life we couldn't live, dies that death we deserve on a cross, rises again on the third day so that we can have the power of the Holy Spirit and be heaven on earth right now. And yet so many times in our life, Satan will distort that truth. He'll even bring you to verses in the Bible and twist them up so much that you'll get caught in it. Case in point, growing up in church here, I had a Pharisee heart. Man, I had a Pharisee heart. I can tell you right now, I still struggle with those things. Pride in my life is something that, uh, that Jesus is constantly working on me on because I would go against people having problems. I had to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul down. Understood that. I got that. I can say I'm always working on that. But the love others as yourself struggled with that a lot and that was my Pharisee heart and it was because the lies that Satan told me all the way through that the the truth that he distorted all the way through that because he made me think if you just love God don't worry about loving others who cares if they hear about it you're taken care of and so many times don't we do that we think that we're saved as fire insurance from hell when he didn't just save us to stop going from hell he saved us to be the vehicle in which he brings the gospel to the world yet we won't do that Satan will distort the truth like that in our life. And so many times, I wonder then if it's not just that that we get stuck in is so many times with my Pharisee heart, here's what would happen. I would put myself in an insurmountable situation of sin, and I would expect God to pull me out when I was there by my own choosing. Ever been there? Hey, I struggle with alcohol, yet you're at the bar every night. Is that a smart choice? God, rescue me from it. Save me from it. Hey, God, I'm struggling with my diet. Tearing up some all-you-can-eat buffets, right? Like taco night every night. I love some tacos. I'll tell you, you could put them down. I know some people, it, it is what it is, but I'm saying that could kill me, right? Like just one of them things, right? Like or, or like or like pizza in. Tearing up some pizza in, but I'm worried about my waistline, right? I put myself, Jesus, I'm going to eat this whole pizza, but I'm begging you, don't let my waistline grow, like, right? We do that. Like, 
right? Or, or we put ourselves in situations financially. We say, Jesus, I want to get out of debt. And we go apply for 12 credit cards, maxing things out like it's nobody's business because we tore up that sale at the store. Like, am I hitting a cord? Am I hitting home somewhere? Because it's been hitting me, and I'm telling you, that's what Satan will do in our life. A lot of times he'll distort the truth so much. We'll think that we're following God, but we're following our own thoughts in our head because he's attacked us with it. We're not put on the full armor of God, and we think that we've got it figured out. Then we get in the middle of it, and we expect God to rest us from it like he's telling Jesus right there hey God will rescue you because he loves you throw yourself off that mountain throw yourself off that high point I want you when you're in this situation and the devil starts to knock on your door and distort the truth will you open your eyes and see who led you to the place you're at God will never lead you somewhere without him that's not part of his plan Jesus was able to go on that mountaintop Eve went away from God to a place where she was isolated, to a place where she had no escape, to a place where she believed the lies of the enemy. And I promise you right now, if you want to admit it behind the smile, behind the great social media pictures, behind everything, Satan is lying to you about something in your life and you're believing it. We all struggle with that. And so when that happens, I just want you to open your eyes and see where you are. Because yes, you may be like the American dream at the top of, at the, top of the highest point of your career, your calling, everything, and think that you've reached it. And I want to tell you, Jesus didn't come to the earth to be at the top. He humbled himself as a servant and went down and washed feet. And if you're not there and God's not called you to be there, then I would question where you are and why you are and see why you're there. Because when you open your eyes and you see that it's the enemy distorting the truth that's pulling you there, you're going to find a way out. But until then, you're going to keep going down that path. The third thing that Satan does, and the last thing, is he deceives the eyes. <clears throat> he deceives the eyes. So Satan will question God. And after he's questioned God, he's planted that little seed. Then he starts, he starts distorting the truth. Then he starts taking Bible verses and uses it against you, right? Like, he knows the Word of God about as well as you do, believe it or not. He knows the Word of God that way, and he'll start taking it and distorting it. Then all of a sudden, he'll deceive the eyes, just like that scarecrow on the porch I thought was my Papa Joe. They lied to me. Wasn't my Papa Joe. Made me mad. They lied to me. He deceived my eyes. Satan will do that in your life. He'll deceive your eyes so much, he'll tell you that you deserve it. He'll bring it to a place where you thought it's the highest potential you could ever reach and make you think you're right where you need to be. So much so, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Eve gets a bad rap here, yo. Like, she does kills me always Adam didn't set us up well man I'm not gonna lie to you he didn't set us up well with this on his response later but when Eve took that and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and of course him being agreeable he ate it um, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked now what is it that Satan said they would get if they ate from that tree they would be equal with God I wonder if they realized in that moment that they weren't because they understand the sin and shame that they've just committed and they understand all of a sudden that they're naked so much so they're about to go hide see what the enemy will do in your life he already knows that the one the war is won Jesus died said it is finished he's already he's already beat he's already defeated death he's already defeated the grave he's already defeated Satan he's already defeated hell but yet Satan will come at you in this battle and he'll make you think something that's not there and he'll deceive your eyes so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves that's Genesis 3 let me read to you Genesis 2 9 really quickly because we talked about hanging on the Word of God hanging on the Word of God Genesis 2 9 is what God told Adam and Eve as they were getting there see how I'm shuffling pages thank the Lord for the Bible app Genesis 2 9 says it this way the Lord God made man that he had formed, and the Lord God had all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Now listen to what it says about these trees. So in verse 9, these trees were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Then if you skip down, it's what I read to you a little bit ago, where Eve left out that they could eat freely of any tree, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and if they eat from it, they will certainly die. So what does that say there in Genesis 3, verse 6 and 7? It says that the woman saw the fruit of the tree was 
good for food and pleasing to the eye. So only that tree was good for food. Only that tree was pleasing to the eye. But just a chapter before, God said every tree bared good fruit. And every tree was good to the eye. You see what Satan will do? He'll take that one area of your life, that one thing, that finance, that relationship, that walk with Christ, that calling he has. Take that one thing on your life. He'll question God's goodness. He'll start distorting the truth in there. And he'll start deceiving your eyes and make you think and believe something that's not even true because he lies to you long enough. He lies to you and tells you long enough that it is. That's what he did with Eve. He made her think that tree was different than the other trees. And the only difference was God told her not to eat from it. So that being said, I wonder if that's where we are in our life. Because the second thing that I see that it happens inside of deceiving the eyes is when Eve ate of that tree, do you see it only affect her? It affects the one she loves the most. How the enemy works. You see, the good part is with Jesus, it can work the other way as well. But when we're so far away from him and we're out of a relationship with him, it will crush us. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be held back. Because he knows if he can hold us up in this one battle, we can't get to the next. Because the war is won. He knows he's defeated. The war is won. Yeah, so many times in our life, I wonder if that's where we get stuck. So how did Jesus do this? Because, you know, Jesus is the answer in church. We know that. Jesus is the answer for everything. Matthew 4, verse 8 through 11. Then we're almost done here, so hang in here with me. I hear the wage line is is holding up, so we're going to be good. We're going to be good. Uh, The express line. Y'all know what it is. Okay, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. So he's trying to deceive Jesus' eyes. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and you worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And if you're taking notes, if you're doing anything, highlight this verse, celebrate this verse, look at this verse, because this is the favorite thing I want to share with you today, and it is the thing I want you to understand. Then the devil left him. Jesus said, away from me, and he worshiped God. And the devil left him. Yeah, we struggle with worship in church, right? I wonder what our worship looks like on Monday morning outside of here. Will we worship God and understand that we can declare away from me Satan and then worship God and live a life that's worthy and full of worship because we're walking in obedience to Jesus and all of a sudden we can see Satan will flee from us or do we just invite Satan in? Tell him to come on in. Be a part of it because I got a case of the Mondays. Like I got all these in my life. Because it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. My sin doesn't affect me. I don't like what I'm doing. I hate, I hate my calling. I hate my job. I hate my life. I hate this. I hate that. I hate this. I hate that. Hey, will you come to church with me on Sunday? We wonder why people don't come to church anymore. <laughs> That's why. But I wonder if our life, if we could have freedom today, if I could just have done this whole message in one verse, it literally would have been Matthew 4, verse 11. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. I want you to know today that you can declare with your heart, away from me, Satan, and he will flee in Lord Jesus Christ's name. He will. Will you trust that? Do you think that God wants that for you? Do you believe that? Because we see in the rest in Genesis 3, verse 8 through 13, it says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God, a lot of Lord gods get them, called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I have heard you in the garden. The difference between God finding Adam and Eve and Jesus inviting God to be in his life is a different story right there, right? Because when Jesus said, away from me, Satan, and he worshiped God, God was there with him. But Adam and Eve tried to hide, and look at where they hide. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was a naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Okay, this is God being a parent here, saying, have you cleaned your room? And you know you ain't, but you're going to tell him you are because you really want to go to the fair. You know what I'm saying. Y'all did it this week. You want that candy apple, not cotton candy. It's the same thing. God already knows the answer to that. He said, have you ate from the tree? I commanded you not to eat from the man said, the woman you put me here with. Oh, Adam. Hmm. I'm sorry in advance to everyone. I just want to let you know Adam just set us up for failure. 
She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. I want you to know all the way through this, if Jesus is the center of your life, Satan will flee from you. It doesn't mean that his attacks aren't going to be heavy. It doesn't mean that he's not going to come at you and try to stop you. But if you're step by step following Jesus the way he's called you to, you'll live a life that's more abundant, a life that's full, a life that has joy, a life that has peace that you can't find anywhere else in the world. There's no bread that will do it. There's no high position that will do it. There's no kingdom in this world that will fulfill it. I just want you to know that. Yes, Satan in our life will do that. Maybe it's the next child in our life. I've heard disaster stories of that in marriages. Hey, a baby's going to fix everything. Matter of fact, it's going to magnify everything. Hey, if I just had a spouse and I got married, I'm going to be so much better in life. Guess what? You got two sinners coming together trying to live a life. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. That hey, if I could just get a job that pays more money, I would get out of debt. And you realize you're in the same amount of debt that you were in today as you was with a new job without it. Hey, if I just had this career in my life, it would be better. It won't sustain you. It's not going to call you to be what God's called you to be. I wonder in your life if that's where you're stuck right now and the devil is knocking on your door and he's distorting the truth, he's deceiving your eyes, and he's questioning God in your life. And I'm going to pray for you here in a minute, but there's some things that I want to tell you right now. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to know the war is won. I want you to know that, yes, he may come at you, but you've got the Holy Spirit with you. You've got the full armor of God on, and he cannot defeat you. It may only be a battle. It may only be a season, but the war is won. So you say, what happened in my life? Well, some of us are discouraged today. I want you to ask your soul, why in the world is it downcast? Some of us, our family is under attack. I wonder if we would be like Joshua, and we would declare, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I wonder if some of us can say, Say, I cannot make it another day. Will you look in the mirror? Will you get up and declare, I will not grow weary in doing good? Some of us will have the diagnosis that is, that is grave, and I wonder if we would trust that all things are possible through Christ Jesus. I wonder if we're unsure what our next step is. I wonder if we will trust in God and lean not into our own understanding and not try to chart our own path, but see that the path has already been charted for us if we'll just trust it and the life that's full because we serve a good Father who wants good gifts. I wonder if a lot of us are stuck in the shame and regret of our sin and we would declare today as we tell Satan to get away from us now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I wonder today if our relationships are struggling will we talk and pray 1 Corinthians 13 over our life when we know that love is patient we know that love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it keeps no record of wrongs will we declare that over our life because the thing that will make Satan flee from each of us is that right there it's that right there Every word of God, or will we just take bits and pieces of it that we like? Every word. So today when Satan knocks on your door, I wonder if you will declare from him away from me. Give God your worship in this next song and trust him that he is who he says he is. Or is this just going to be another day where he's made you think that you can't make a difference, it's not going to get any better, and it is what it is. Will you be able to declare today that Jesus is who he says he is? Because here's the thing. As we get ready to, to get here and the band's about to, as, as Lost and Found's coming up, they're getting ready to do this last song. I just want to say this to you. You see, all of us are created in the image of God. I've heard it said this way, and I, I, it's, always, it's always resonated with me. All of us are created in the image of God, but only some of us are children of God. You see, the children of God can have peace no matter what Satan does to them. We can look in the book of Job. We can look all throughout the Bible, all the great Bible heroes as you go through there. All the great Bible heroes will tell you times in their life where they've struggled, times in their life where they've questioned God's goodness, times in their life where this, the truth has been distorted, times in their life where they thought something was good for them and their eyes were deceived, only to find out that they were naked in their shame that Satan had led them down a path that God didn't call them down. And so I wonder, though, if you've got Jesus in your life, that, that you, can, you have something to fall back on. You have something that's going to sustain you. You have somebody you can reach out to. You can cry out for help. If you don't have Jesus in your life, it's a 12-step program. It's a goal to reach. It's a place to serve. It's a, it's a place to give. It's a thing to do, not a life to live. And so I wonder where you are in your life. Can you say that you are a child of God are you stuck in just being created in the image of God? Because even Adam were created in the image of God, 
But until Jesus came, he made a way for us to be children of God. I want you to know today that you have an opportunity to be a child of God and see through the schemes of the devil, see through the lies that he tells you, see through the way that he's making you question God in your life, question his goodness in your life, ways that, that he's distorting the truth in your life, ways that he is coming in and trying to deceive your eyes and making you fall for the comfort and ease that is the American dream over the calling that Jesus made you to fulfill. And so as we get ready to worship in this last song, I just want us to have a heart to ask Jesus where we are with that. So dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to come into your house and to lift your name high. I pray that you would just allow us to be at one with you right now and hear you like never before. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. And I pray that today as Satan is the deceiver trying to tell us lies, you've told us James talks about him being the father of lies, and the lies is his language. That is, that is who Satan is in our life. So, Jesus, I pray that we would see through the lies, see through all the chaos and the noise of this world, and would hang on your every word. Because even though Satan may question you, we have faith that you are who you say you are. Because we've seen it fulfilled in your son, living the life on the cross, living a life, excuse me, in this world, dying the death on the cross for our sins and loving us enough to not stay dead but rise again on the third day so that we can have life and have it to the full so that we can have peace no matter what season we're in. I pray that we would see through the deception that the enemy throws at us. I pray that we would be so much in communion with you, God, that, that when Satan tries to come at us, we can straight up look him in the eye and say, away from me. And when that happens, God, we would fall down and worship in awe by your lavish grace and mercy that we get to look the enemy in the eye and say you are defeated you cannot win so jesus today i pray that we would examine our heart and in this song jesus i pray that if you called us to respond we would be bold enough to do it and not be held back but instead would step out the way that you've called us to we ask in your wonderful your precious your holy name amen
So here we are. This is why we do what we do each and every week. You see, there are two paths in life. The way of man leads to death. The way of Christ leads to life. It's that simple. Satan will try to make you think that he is giving you life, but he's actually leading you straight to death, just like he was doing with Eve. Just like he was doing with Eve. And the only way that she could experience every good gift that God made her to to have, made her to live out, made her to experience, is when she was in a relationship with him. And yet from the garden, that relationship has been broken, and the enemy has been telling us since the garden that God isn't who he says he is. Because we don't believe the enemy is who he says he is. But I want to tell you that Satan's ways are man's ways, and it will lead you to death. And let me tell you about this thing called death. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 15 through 57 says it this way. It says, it says this, Oh, where, O oh death, is your sting? It's quoting a psalm here. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that this battle will be won, the only way that the enemy is overcome, the only way that this season will be won, the only thing that will stop the lies of the enemy from taking a foothold in your life is Jesus Christ. And here's the thing about following Jesus. A lot of us, our whole life, have heard it one way. We've heard that, that we have to do all these things, say all these things, live all these ways, dress all these ways, read all these plans, pray all these prayers, and it's not that. It's a gift. All you got to do is receive it. Some of us today are believing the lie of the enemy that there's a gift that Jesus has laid at our feet. All, all we have to do is open it up and receive it. We just have to receive it. But yet we walk by it every day. We tell ourselves we're not good enough to open it up. We tell ourselves we'll open it up tomorrow. We tell ourselves that, that, that the packaging isn't the way we thought it would be. We tell ourselves that it's not what it, it seems to be, that there's no way that a God who is perfect and a creator of the universe could ever love someone like me. And we just pass this gift every day. The thing is you don't have to work to open it. It's laying there at your feet. You just have to receive it. And from there, you find life. Because the one thing all of us have in common, as I said, we're all created in the image of God. But we were all born into sin. And that sin led to death. But God, in his gracious love and mercy, gave. He loved us enough that he gave his son. And Jesus lived that life we couldn't live. He died that death we deserved for our sin and rose again on the third day so that we could experience life on earth right now so that we could see all those pleasing trees and those good trees with good fruit and experience it now we don't have to wait for it we get to live it out now but we just got to receive that jesus is our lord and savior and believe in our heart that he did this so in a moment i am going to lead us in a prayer and we pray it as a house together for the benefit of those who are receiving by faith jesus is who he is for the people that are opening that gift for the first time we pray together and so today i said where are you? Are you a child of God or just created in the image of God? All of us are created in the image of God. Those who have received this gift of salvation are called children of God because death has not won. Jesus defeated it. And so today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you if you would like to, to become a child of God, will you open that gift? Will you receive that gift of salvation today? It's free. There's nothing you've got to do to earn it. There's not a special process you have to do. It's literally believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Because just like 1 Corinthians 15 says, death no longer has power over us with Christ in our life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer. And once again, it's not the words of the prayer. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So everyone repeat after me, dear Jesus. I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved for my sin on the cross. Loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life and live it to the full. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how 
And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to boldly respond if it's for the first time that you've opened the free gift of salvation and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, there's going to be a way for you to respond too. So one, two, three. If that's you and you're in this house, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if it's for the first time that you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, comment respond. There's a button there that you can respond to. Reach out to us. Email us at hello at the vine.tv. Give us a call at 864-580-6698. We have people who want to celebrate with you because today Satan may come and try to feed you the lies, but you can look at him in the face because you're a child of God and say, away from me, Satan, and he must flee. And for everyone else in the house, as we get ready uh, you, you can open your eyes for this part. Uh, go ahead and get your arm around someone because with everyone's hands down, there's chairs in the way and that'd be really crazy. But you know, we don't pray alone in this house. I'm gonna pray for everyone here for the lies that Satan's telling us because I promise you, all of us can say he's lying to us about something right now. And I'm just gonna ask you in this moment of surrender to lay it at his feet. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus, we come to you as a family right now. We know that the enemy is trying to fight against us. The enemy is telling us lies. And sometimes, God, if we're honest, we believe them. So Jesus, right now, any of those lies that the enemy is putting in our head, that is laying in our path, I pray, I pray that you would open our eyes to see him. I pray that we would be strong enough to say away from me, Satan, that we would fall down and worship to you and that we would just seek you fully in it because you would never lead us to a place that leads to death. You always lead us to a place that leads to life. So Jesus, right now, each and every one of us lay that down. As, as the song just said, all of us is yours, Jesus. That means all of the lies the enemy's making us believe, all of the shame and guilt of our sin we've laying at your feet, all the things that we say uh, that, that, that hold us back, Jesus, I pray that today we would not let the deceiver deceive us anymore, but instead we would trust you even more fully because we've given you our all. And today, Jesus, I pray we would make your name the most famous, not ours. We love you, Jesus. We can't wait to continue to do this. We can't believe you allow us to do this. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for allowing us to lift your name up. Thank you for loving us first because you showed us how we can love God and love others. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. Everybody have a great week. We're going to talk about the accuser next week, celebrate our one-year anniversary, and continue when the devil knocks. So when the devil knocks on your door today, Kick him straight down and say, away from me, Satan. Love you guys. Can't wait to see you next week.